0: And rolling sound quiet. Speed. So you're starting looking at right? Moral. This is your producer's cut. Okay. So let's clear something up right away. Maybe you saw my Facebook post about it. Maybe you didn't. I posted the second half of my mom's interview first. So if you got up early to catch it on Wednesday and it kind of jumped right into my brothers, Kevin and Michael, that wasn't the correct episode. I came home, I took it down, and then later that night, I actually put up the first appropriate first half of the podcast. So now you only have access to the first episode or first um, part one, I guess you can call it, with me and my mom. If you listen through part two all the way, cool. But it'll make a lot more sense if you go back and listen to part one, which is posted up now. So we're back in the proper order. Now, with all that being said, Let's jump right into this, because I got a lot to say about this episode. I actually realized my notes were more extensive about this one than probably any other one I had with my dad. Hard to remember. I mean, we are on episode 19, but it felt like a lot. The first thing I want to mention is my mom's comment about wanting us to know the truth, even if things were dysfunctional. I am so thankful she did that. That is why I take comfort in the truth, even when it hurts. Doesn't mean that I... Don't have issues with telling the truth sometimes because I know it can hurt someone else. But in terms of truth being told to me, tell me whatever you got to tell me. I am totally okay with however you feel or whatever you want to say. I'm still working on the other side of that, of being able to tell somebody else the truth when I know it's going to hurt them. And what's interesting about all of that is I truly think that's how we got through as a dysfunctional family. Going through all we went through and still having unconditional love. You see, when you grow up. In a situation like that or something worse or just the level of dysfunction. When you cross a certain threshold, you can't lie about things because people see right through it. Like my dad couldn't lie about being high, right? He couldn't lie about things being stolen. My mom couldn't lie after crying so many times. And with the truth, it gives me the opportunity to reflect on it, evaluate how I feel about it share my truth, and then we can move past it together. So I honestly felt like that level of truth, even though maybe I knew some things too young and it wasn't appropriate for me, is what kept us strong as a family, is what pushed us through those tough times and has brought us to the other side. So mom, I thank you for that. Again, I don't know if I would have said things the way you would have in terms of age appropriateness, but I'm okay with it. I think it brought our family closer together because we had no skeletons. There was no reason to hide anything, which didn't give everyone free range to do whatever they want. But it allowed me to be at peace with everything and not waiting and finding out 15 years later and then being so upset that my whole life was a lie. And now I started out with that particular point to make because this whole episode is going to be truth telling. My mom mentioned how my dad would be on the show so often inebriated. She wasn't here. That's simply false, but I understand based off of her perception why one, she could probably hear changes in his voice. And I'm sure if you ever went back and listened to some of the episodes, you might hear his voice a little different in certain ones. There's only one episode where it might have gone not too far, but farther than others. Did we have drinks while we were here? Yes, but I specifically made it a point to control the drink. So if there was a bottle or beers, I was the one passing them out. Because I wanted to make sure within an hour there was a two drink minimum, not some big Long Island iced tea drink. I'm talking about like a finger or two of scotch, a beer or two. And it's because I wanted him clear headed. Now, the reason my mom thinks he was intoxicated throughout this whole podcast was she would drop him off for the podcast and pick him up about four hours later. So she assumed we were doing the podcast the whole time. No, we would record for about an hour, hour and a half. And then we would just hang out as father and son. And then that bottle or that six pack or 12 pack, whatever it was, was put in the center of the table for free range. So by the time she picked him up, was he intoxicated? Yup. Every time. But during the recordings? No. Because I didn't want that to be a part of this. So that goes to what my mom was talking about in terms of perception. But that's the actual truth. And I don't know if my mom listens to these producer's cuts, but I hope she hears that. Does it mean that she was wrong and that he got timelines wrong or perceived things differently? No, it just means it wasn't because he was intoxicated. So I just wanted to make that clear for everyone, including her. I love that my mom mentioned something that I never really thought about, which is that I do things in a cathartic fashion. And so I was like, you know, I know what cathartic means, but... Let me really look up the definition, and it's providing psychological relief through open expression of strong emotions. you goddamn right, I do. I relieve all my pain and stress and worry and joy and happiness and love by being brutally honest and open and expressing what I'm feeling. And usually in a very strong and firm manner, not in a scary or intimidating one, but one that I'm sure of myself. This is how I feel in the moment. I may not be right, but it's how I feel. Now, someone may be able to tell me something to make me feel different, but I don't lie about my feelings. It's a great way to be. I will say it's gotten me in trouble in the professional world, because when you've got someone who maybe isn't doing their job right or you got a boss that is being inappropriate or just making poor decisions, I don't bite my tongue. I tell you, you're fucking up. And there have been instances where I've used those exact words in that language expression of strong emotion, right? But I never thought about the things that I do always being in a cathartic fashion, but she's totally right. Even this podcast, any podcast, being on camera for Supernatural, doing YouTube videos, working out, coaching football, teaching. So thanks, mom. Again, that was an eye opener, and I don't think I caught that the first time I edited and listened to the podcast which also makes me so happy that I'm doing this again now, or at least the producer cuts. My mom goes on to talk about the family barbecue culture, specifically, at least what I know of as a black barbecue culture, just because that's the reference point I have. I don't know if it's like this in other cultures. Maybe it's a geographical thing, like a down south thing. I don't know. Or maybe it's a generational thing. But I can picture all the guys outside playing dominoes, drinking, smoking, and all the women inside in the kitchen or dining room table. And the reason I can picture that is because that's what happens at my house for family barbecues. Now there is crossover. The women come outside and hang out and the men go inside and hang out. But essentially those boundaries are inside and outside, but there's freedom to traverse back and forth. If my wife or my sister ever came outside, it's never like, Hey, what are you doing out here? It's like, come on, pull up a seat. You want to play? Or, hey, you want a drink? Come hang out and sit down. So it's a little more open than my mom experienced. So I hope that when she sees that now with us, she feels that openness to be able to come outside, which she does. She doesn't as often, but I think it's because of her history of that. But she also enjoys the people she's inside with. It's not like with my dad's family where she felt isolated and alone. And, you know, I'm kind of okay with that culture. I like the fact that there are those boundaries or areas and that people can cross those boundaries. I like the fact that I'm outside with my dad, brother-in-law, best friend or two, all being men. And then I can walk inside and help cook and, well, usually I'm on the grill. So finish marinating and, you know, grab the chopped up vegetables or whatever for my wife or sit down and talk with my mom and my sister. My sister often comes outside with us anyways, but... It sucks my mom had to go through it the wrong way, and I hope that we're doing it the right way. But that's kind of the nature of my mom. And many times she's a detriment to herself. She could come outside at any time, but she won't because she might be stuck in her head. And that was showed with how she always wanted to help my dad. My mom does for so many other people. It's probably where I get it from. My dad is very compassionate too. But anyone who needs help with anything, if you hit up my mom, she'll do it. No questions asked. No money needed. She'll just help you. She's worked for the school district for many years, not as a teacher, but like as an attendance lady and a secretary and things like that. And whenever students had problems with their grades, their teachers, their home stuff, they'd go to her because they knew she would get things straightened out. That she would help. And my mom's loved around the city of Pasadena. And now that she works for the district doing payroll, that's usually a job where people hate Dealing with the customer or the teacher or faculty or staff who have payroll issues and child support and everything else. No, they love her. They seek her out over others because she's going to make sure you're taken care of. And just a course correction, she did payroll. Now she's a buyer for the school district. So she buys curriculum and textbooks and things like that. But even that, those education salesmen go straight to my mom because she's going to be honest with them, but also help them out if. That school district can't purchase it. She'll send them off to somewhere she knows is looking for something like that. And it's because she has a huge heart. But I don't agree with her analogy of heart being a piece of pie and her continually giving out slivers of that pie until she was empty. I know a lot of people do, but you shouldn't. You can give without the detriment to self. You can help without putting yourself in a situation that's worse. But that requires boundaries. It also requires knowing your worth and your value. And I think my mom knows it now. But back then, I don't think she did. I honestly think she was scared. And so I don't blame her. I just don't think she knew any better to keep herself protected for herself. And when I say that, I don't mean guarded off and disconnected from the world. I mean, I have boundaries. When you cross them, I let you know. And if it's a mistake, so be it. Now that we've had that conversation, if I didn't lay it out previously, That's my fault for not sharing those boundaries, so I'll give you another chance. But if I've laid out my boundaries and we've had that conversation and you cross them, bye. I may still love you, but I'll just do it from a distance. You're not going to tear down my existence for yours. And I won't do that to you either. So I expect the same. And my mom's gotten a lot better at that. But it was really tough for her. I wonder if sometimes where those slices of pie were taken was when my dad was drunk and being very mean. If she wasn't actually handing out those slices and he just took them and ended up making her feel empty. The interesting thing about that, I don't remember my dad ever being mean when he's drunk. I am aware of him saying things that are, I don't want to say risque, but just, you know, teetering the line of not mean, but just like you didn't need to say that. It wasn't necessary, but he's never been outright mean towards me. But I guess I i can say I've seen him be mean while sober or just aggressive. So, I wonder if that boils over when he's intoxicated, which totally makes sense. It's just never happened to me. And I think that's because of the type of relationship I have with him. And it also explains why he probably never did it in front of me because I would have said something if it got out of control. I can remember one instance, and I think they were totally sober, but it was when my parents were bickering a lot. And it was inside of the house. And I think the second, my second son had just been born. And they were yelling and arguing at each other. And I was like, hey, and I got kind of loud and I was like, y'all can take that shit somewhere else. This is my house, my wife with my two kids here. You're not going to bring that into this home. I'm not having it. You guys want to argue like that? You can take it to your house and you can go. And then my dad kind of pulled me to the side later to have a cigarette and was like, you know, I apologize. It's just that you know she's always doing and I'm like I don't care what she's doing dad this is my house respected I'm a grown ass man and he's like you're right you're right and I'm like thank you man just don't bring that here I don't need my kids seeing that I don't yell at my spouse I don't do I get upset with her do we have conversations that get heated yeah but they're outside late at night away from the kids and it's never raising of voices ever cuz I'm not a kid you're not going to yell at me like you're some sort of teacher Or some super stern parent out of control. Bump that. If you can't talk to me as an adult. And set your feelings aside so we can have an objective conversation. To really get to the bottom of something. Or at least keep your emotions in check so that you don't boil over and blow up. I ain't got time for you. Even if you are my wife. Go take a breather and when you're ready to come back and have a conversation we can do that. And I know a lot of people might think that sounds a certain way. But I'm not going to be yelled at. I don't like it. It's those boundaries we talked about again, right? So you got to respect it. And you can't flip that coin and say, well, her boundaries, you know, she has her emotion and she wants to yell and scream at you. That's not a boundary. That's the lack of boundaries. That's the lack of control. So take the time you need and let's have the conversation when you're ready. I'm cool if you don't want to talk to me for the next couple hours while you kind of think about and reflect. That's fine. I'll give you your space but I'm not going to yell. I don't allow it in my house towards spouses, my parents, nobody. Yet that highlights something my mom mentions about all of us, herself included and my dad and me and my sister, we do things to excess. I won't have a conversation with you if you're yelling. When I work out, I go hard. When I drink and hang out, I go hard. If I'm on my meditation routines in the morning, it's a strict discipline. If I'm saying No drinking, no weed, nothing for the next month. I'm there. But in that drift from one end of the spectrum to the other, I'm always looking for balance. And sometimes I wonder if that is my balance. Is that by always throwing a coin in one side of the scale, though it teeters one way, I usually throw a coin in the other to bring it back to balance. But it's because boredom is my enemy. My mom said it. When I get bored, bad shit happens. So I keep myself busy going back to truth, even though I've been truth telling this whole time. My mom's statement that hippity hoppity was my niece's Kali's word and she never used it. That's false. My mom used it all the time, all the time in text messages and phone calls. I'd be like, hey, where's Dad? I was trying to call him. Oh, he's, you know, hippity hoppity right now. So my niece might have come up with it, but my mom used it all the time. And then the last two things I want to mention have to do with our relationship, my mom and I's. First was the story she talked about the Harrison Penitentiary and only getting, you know, plastic cup and spoon and fork and plate for each one of us individually. She made it sound like that was an effective tool. One, I don't even remember that. And like I said on the show, it maybe lasted 14 hours at that. I don't remember that happening. I honestly don't think it did. My mom has a propensity to stretch the truth more than anyone else in our family, but maybe she did do that. But it highlights a bigger point because she mentioned, oh, you just got better at hiding things. One of these days our culture and society will understand that the way in which we punish people by imprisonment just creates better prisoners. You goddamn right I learned how to hide it better. If this was gonna be the outcome, I'll just make sure to be more sly than you, a better criminal than you, or a warden. And that's what you see when people go to prison nowadays. They come out better criminals because they're put in environments and circumstances and contingencies that forced that upon them because everyone wants to do what they want to do. They don't want to be restricted. They want their freedoms. So if I can only have a certain amount of freedoms within this limitation, this fence, this boundary, well, I'm going to stretch it as much as I can and do whatever I can to ensure those freedoms are enacted. And the last part has to do with maybe an insecurity for me and it has nothing to do with you as the listener. At first, I thought it did. And it has to do with the way I talk to my mom. I wondered to myself, do the listeners feel like I was less loving and more cold towards my mom? Do I have to explain why and validate? And then I was like, but is it because it's always been an issue and I just feel bad? I don't know which one the answer is, but I know something. I do talk to her different than I talk to my dad or my sisters or my brothers. And does it have to do with our relationship in terms of all the things in the past? Yes. Does it have to do with. How our personalities clash at times. Yeah. But it also has to do with how similar we are. My mom's an extremely intelligent person, if you couldn't tell. She's a very giving person. And so we're very much the same like that. But she has very little control, even over how much she shares and says, when I'm very much in control. Even when it seems like I'm out of control. I know exactly what's going on. Exactly what's happening. What I'm doing. Because I've weighed the consequences already. And I'm being me. I know where I'm taking this conversation. I know what I'm saying. I'm not just flying off the cuff. Is there a script in front of me right now? No. But you better believe my brain has got this thing wrapped up tight with a bow. My mom's not like that in anything she does. And so she has the anxiety that she talks about. And always wanting to be in control and intrusive. And it's hard to be open and fun and loving and have a softer touch with someone like that, even if they are your mom, because no one wants to be intruded upon. No one wants to be controlled and no one wants to feel anxious. So I just cut through all the bullshit with my mom. I just tell her straightforward, matter of fact ways. That doesn't mean we don't laugh and have conversations and loving things. It's just when we talk serious, I talk serious with her and it just sounds more stern because I try to steer the conversation in a way that's going to be beneficial. Yes, beneficial for me in that I'll get the information in the shortest amount of time possible being parsimonious. But it doesn't mean I love my mom any less. And maybe I just needed to share that with you, the listener, because I needed to comprehend and understand it and say it out loud for myself. Because it is a point of emphasis and sometimes guilt for me that I may not sound as soft hearted with my mom. When she's the one who birthed me and loved me and held this family together. But if you couldn't tell that I have a deep admiration and love for my mom, well, it doesn't really matter because she knows it. And that really wasn't for you. It was more for me. And because of that, I appreciate you. And I thank you for listening. (sighs)